This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. This is Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've lived and worked in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the last 28 years. But I'm delighted to be here with you. I love doing this podcast every week. And during the last week of June and the first full week of July, we've been offering you many more episodes because we're taking a bit of a vacation. So we took a little time off, but I also wanted to provide you with some interesting episodes that have been very popular, but maybe are a little bit older than some of the more recent episodes. Many of you write to me telling me the thing you like best about self-work is that in almost every episode, I focus on what you can do about it. You know, mental health issues are often complex. However, there's also a place where you can gain hope if you allow yourself to start broadening your own understanding, learn something new to try, or just screw up the courage to risk a change. Specifically in this episode, we're going to be focusing on changing your self-talk, at least what is obsessively negative about it. It takes tuning in, becoming much more aware of what's going on in your mind on an ongoing basis. For some, it's a murmur. For other, their voice is screaming at you. It's like the music that's playing in the background. Maybe you don't even notice it until you hear a song you know, but it's been there the whole time, influencing you somehow although you're unaware. The point is to become more aware and catch those negative thoughts before they pummel you with self-criticism and disdain. It takes practice, but you can do it. But first, here's a message from me and Athletic Greens. I use it every morning, and it's really good stuff. Athletic Greens came on board self-work now a few months ago with an offer for self-work listeners to try their product. And because of being a self-work listener, you'd receive bonus products as a gift with a subscription. I don't really know how many of you have tried it, but quite a few I can tell. And I'd love to hear from you about how you're feeling. Please email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com because I'd love to share your experience here on self-work. So some of you are saying, what is Athletic Greens? It's a life-changing nutritional habit. Their daily all-in-one superfood power is your nutritional essential. It's by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your daily routine today and empower yourself toward better habits. And it's a lot more pleasant than eating celery, I promise you. I've never liked powdered things, but this one isn't too sweet, but also not too grainy. And I look forward to it in the morning. You're actually just getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis, and you don't have to take multiple supplements. Just one thing. I take a scoop a day and know that I'm getting 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood, and more. In fact, I just had my annual OBGYN appointment, and his last words to me were, make sure you're getting enough D3, and the supplement you receive as the self-work bonus with a subscription contains both D3 and K2. So I smiled and said, oh, I got that. I hope you'll try it. Both my husband and I love it and have kept it up now for several months because it's making a difference. So here's the link, athleticgreens.com slash self-work. That's, of course, https colon slash slash 
athleticgreens.com slash self-work. And I'll have that link for you in the show notes. So thanks to Athletic Greens and heads up, listen in as we focus on your own self-talk. Self-talk. What is it? We use this term a lot in our culture, but what is it really, and how can you change what seems entrenched in the back recesses of your mind? Think about being in one of those huge box-type stores. I usually have a panic attack when I go into one of those, like Lowe's or Best Buy or something. There's probably some kind of music in the background, which usually you don't even listen to or barely notice. They used to call it elevator music. Then all of a sudden, a song comes on from when you were in high school and falling in love, or a song that you remember dancing to at your wedding, or the song that you sang over and over when you were getting a divorce just so you could hang on and survive. All of a sudden, or so it seems, you hear the music. You're paying attention. Self-talk is like that elevator music. It's a running dialogue that's always taking place in our minds. It's the editorial section that notices, corrects, or redirects our thoughts in a certain direction. It's a function or a role that your ego plays. Now, what is your ego? It's what you define as me, quote unquote. You say things like, I'm 37, I'm a woman, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I was loved as a child, I was neglected as a child. Basically, your ego is your identity. When you say, that's my ego talking, That means that somehow your identity is speaking to you. You have ego skills, things that you do well, maybe problem solving or emotional management. Those are ego skills. And certainly, monitoring negative self-talk is one of those ego skills. Basically, a you skill. It's your skill. Self-talk can be positive. You can congratulate yourself and be proud of things that you do well. Even if you make a mistake, positive self-talk says things like, well, you tried, and the effort is what counts. You're on your own side, not necessarily in a way that ignores your vulnerabilities, but accepts them. A positive self-talk is kind. It's generous. But self-talk can also be viciously critical, a voice that tears apart everything that you touch and then tells you it's not good enough, it's useless for you to try, or you need to avoid being around other people because you're just so stinking awful. I mean, our negative self-talk can be incredibly destructive. Of course, you can do therapy or work on yourself and figure out where the negative self-talk comes from. It's often from trauma or abuse. You heard harsh, critical things from a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a coach, and you've taken over their voice for them. It's now your voice telling you you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. You're not actually hearing a voice, mind you. That's a whole other issue. But again, think of the music analogy. You may not be conscious of the voice's presence until it does something that catches your attention. It's in the background, sort of silently listening and making comments, sort of like a reviewer of a movie, always as he or she watches the movie, they're reviewing it all at the same time. So, how do you change negative self-talk? Again, what you can do about it, right? 
you have to notice the criticism and address it. When someone asks me in my office, but I don't know how to tune in, I often get kind of still and listen for a second to what's going on outside. Maybe I hear a motorcycle in the background or birds chirping. Maybe my air conditioning just turned on. Just something I didn't notice before I paid attention. And I'll ask, did you just hear that bird? Can you hear the air conditioning? Well, yeah, but I didn't pay attention. And my response, right. Our unconscious minds are always on, always listening. But until we tune in, we just don't notice. That's the same as self-talk. You can train yourself to listen. You begin to change your negative self-talk patterns when you pay attention to what you're ignoring. You make what may have been largely unconscious, conscious. And that takes practice. When you stop and think about it, if we were always aware of this reviewer in our mind, we'd probably go crazy, no pun intended, because it would be constant babble in our head. So you can't listen to it all, all the time. I'm sitting down here in my basement, and I'm looking at a piece of needlepoint embroidery that my mother and my grandmother did, and I could get lost in the reverie of thinking about them. But I notice it. My reviewer says, oh, that was made by your mom and your grandmother. But I go on. I'm focusing on the podcast. But your mind is always noticing things, always giving you information if, again, you want to listen to it. It's a running dialogue. So, what are the steps to confront negative self-talk? I said in the intro that there are six. Here we go. First, you tune in. You start by beginning to take just a few minutes to settle your mind and heart, and then listen in. Where does your mind go? What is the trail it leads to? First, you're thinking about the baseball game that you have to bring cookies for, and your negative self-talk is reminding you that you better bring better cookies than you did last time. You notice that, and you say, hmm, I've been pretty hard on myself. Then you wait for the next editorial comment. You're not being hard on yourself. You didn't try as hard as the other moms to do something special. That's your critical voice talking to you. You notice it again. What you'll see is that if you have a severe problem with negative self-talk, the litany will continue almost nonstop. Your own mind won't give you a break. But if you begin noticing, even though it's painful to hear, then that's the first step in changing it. Here's number two. Don't necessarily wait for insight. Realize the importance of practice. You can want to understand so much the why of why you're so hard on yourself, why you cut yourself down at every opportunity. Then that longing gets in the way of actually doing something about it. Now, insight is helpful. There's no doubt about that. But insight doesn't necessarily lead to hope. I had a patient recently who was really very, very cheerful about a relationship that she's in. Actually, it's a marriage, and she kept saying, but why have I chosen someone like this again? Why have I done this? She kept repeating it over and over and over, and I said, well, there are some reasons that we've talked about, but really what's going to empower you is when you begin to confront that negative self-talk. Here's number three. Zoom in. Practice mindfulness or meditation. Now, for those of you who think this is too new agey, just a sec. What do I mean by zoom in? You'll be very helpful at this point to try out a meditation app or some kind of mindfulness exercise to help you have the experience of watching your mind more objectively. 
I use Headspace. There's also 10% Happier, Calm, John Cobbett Zen. That's K-A-B-A-T hyphen Z-I-N-N. Also has a lot of things on his website. And there are dozens of apps that can help. Mindfulness or meditation isn't something weird. It's using your mind to notice what's going on in your mind. It's a focus. The reason why this is helpful is because, frankly, this is hard to do. There are mornings when I try and, oh my gosh, I am all over the place. Then there are mornings that seemingly I get it a little bit calmer. But it's practice, and because they're structured apps, then they can really help you and give you support and give you encouragement. Number four. Start noticing the bigger picture in your mind. Think about going to a play or watching a movie. You immediately notice what the main characters are doing or saying, but you can also notice the nuance of the lighting or the way other actors are responding to what's going on. You're really taking in the entire thing. That's the same kind of notice or focus you need to catch negative self-talk. Number five, you've got to replace it. This is an extremely important part of the work. You have to replace negative self-talk with more positive self-talk. If it doesn't come easily at first, then you can develop what's called a mantra or some phrase that confronts the negativity without necessarily coming up with a full replacement. Let's go back to my cookie example. When you become aware of that critical, nagging voice, your mantra or how you respond could be, I know I do my best. And it's okay that my best isn't always perfect. That mantra could apply to a lot of things. So it's a more generic way of answering that criticism. You certainly could replace it with something specific. Something like, the only voice complaining about the cookies is my own. So shut up and let's get on with things. The cookies were fine. So you can do specific redirections and address that shame and that criticism of your negative self-talk. Again, I'm going to stress This takes practice. It can be such an entrenched habit to say negative things to yourself. The sixth step is the one I've repeated about 14 times so far. Practice. All of this takes repetition and practice. Depending on how long these patterns of thought have been there, you may have a long road to travel as you uproot them. But it can be done with kindness, self-compassion, generosity, Of course, you want to take responsibility for mistakes. When your critical voice is right and you've done something selfish or stupid, offer an apology and go on. That's your conscience talking. But negative, constant self-talk can steal any chance of believing in your own worth. And that is a waste of your life. I want to make sure and stress again that I am not advocating not trying to understand where the negativity comes from. Of course, it's important to go back and connect with whatever trauma or loss was created so that this is the message you got about yourself. There's a lot of work there to be done. I did an episode fairly recently about journaling, and I noticed that so many of you have tuned in. Journaling, therapy, reading other books, honoring your trauma and your pain, all of that is important. But without changing your behavior, without practicing, replacing your negative self-talk, that pain can continue. Good luck to you. It's worth it. Our listener email today is 
pretty short and sweet. It's all about getting a divorce and not being able to have access to your emotions. It says, hello, first, I would like to say thank you for your podcast. I'm one of the people you talk about at the beginning of your podcast about not going to a therapist. Yet in listening, I have identified with perfectly hidden depression. And after listening to you, I need to find someone to talk to. Do you have any suggestions on how to deal with perfectly hidden depression on my own? I was married and got divorced because she had an affair. I never dealt with the real emotions that I had and have held on to them for many years. I've been in one serious relationship since the divorce, and it has come apart due to my lack of trust and not feeling I was good enough for her. I would never open up to her and tell her how I felt, even when she would want to find out where her relationship was going. I would like some information on how to deal with this. Thank you again for your podcast. It's helpful. So here's my response. I'm so glad that you've reached out and doubly impressed by that since you're someone who identifies with perfectly hidden depression. Thank you for taking the first step to truly get emotionally divorced. Getting over an affair can be quite difficult when you stay married to that someone and the two of you work it out. But when there's a divorce following an affair, it often leaves these huge emotional scars of distrust, feeling at fault, anger that has nowhere to go, because you never hear the other person take responsibility for their choice to go outside of the marriage, or for the two of you to try and talk about what might have been going on in your marriage between the two of you that at least set the context. If there are kids involved, you see her a good deal. Maybe talk with her about the kids. And it can serve to stir up old feelings that haven't been addressed, or you detach the point of trying not to feel anything. There are plenty of tips online about learning to trust someone after you've been betrayed. All you have to do is Google learning to trust after divorce. But if you're not someone who knows how to connect with feelings at all, then that can be quite difficult. Some of the men I've worked with have found that if they carry around a list of emotions with them, that it's helpful. And I'll give the link of one from Therapist Aid. And when you're struggling, you know there's a feeling there. You can look at your list. Journaling can also be very, very helpful. You have to be willing to try to sit for a few minutes and write not about the facts of your day, but what feelings were attached. This gives you practice in just getting those feelings out, shaking them out a little bit and trying to say, well, I just know I was mad. Well, what made me mad? When did I get mad? Have I been mad like this before? Is this situation similar to when I've been mad before? Am I mad because I feel stuck in the past? What would help me go forward into the future? You ask yourself all these questions about the feeling and then write about it. You can also do what's called a trauma timeline. You can look back at your life from the very beginning and make a literal timeline of all the things that affected you, both positive and negative. I do have an episode on this as well. This trauma line could include your parents' divorce or getting bullied, moving a lot, whatever. And then you begin to ask yourself, how did this affect me? How would it affect anybody? That may help you see how you became someone who shuts off emotions if they become too painful. As far as trust goes, trust is a choice. There is never no risk involved. You can never know today what you'll know tomorrow. You have to trust yourself to make the decision When you care about someone, you literally are giving them the power to hurt you, but also the power to bring you joy. If this woman you're interested in wants to be in your life, you can ask her to give you the time you need to let go of what you're dragging around from the past. Of course, 
a relationship with a therapist can be very helpful because you may experience something there that you've not found elsewhere. Someone with whom you can be safe as yourself. One of the joys of doing this podcast for me is when I get an email that says, I would not have gone into therapy or I haven't been in therapy for a long time, but in listening to you, I realize that I need a safe place. I need somewhere that I'm going to be listened to, occasionally confronted, at least gently, but I'm going to say, this is the direction I want to go. Can you help me? And of course, asking for help is something that people with perfectly hidden depression don't do very easily or well. But there's always the first time. I'm so glad this listener got in touch with me, and I hope my answer is helpful. I hope you've enjoyed these episodes that are coming a little bit fast and furious, but I really wanted these two weeks to hold a lot of learning for you, especially for those of you who've never heard these episodes, or perhaps for those of you who might just decide, I'm going to listen again. We'll be back with a new episode next week on July the 16th. Thank you so much to those of you who've left me ratings and reviews. Either wherever you listen to self-work, maybe even share with a friend. That would be fantastic. But also to those of you who've left me, again, ratings and reviews for my book, Perfectly Hidden Depression. As I was saying in a previous episode, I've always thought my book would be sort of like the tortoise in the race with the hare. (laughs) It would just kind of move along slowly but surely, and that's what it's doing. But it also needs an occasional punch or boost from readers like you who might really have enjoyed it and can give it a good rating or review. So thank you if you take your time to do that. My website's drmargaretrutherford.com, and you can subscribe there. You'll get a weekly newsletter from me that includes weekly offerings of a blog post and a podcast. That's about it. Maybe a little bit about me just to keep you in the know. But I also welcome ideas and comments for future podcasts. I'm more than happy to receive those. You could also send me an email at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com or use the speak pipe function, which is listed in your show notes and on the website. It'll just say record message for podcast. And I'd love to hear your story in your own words. Again, thank you for being here. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.